Hello, hello, everyone. I am so happy you're here. Welcome back for another episode of my podcast. I am really excited about today's episode because I think it goes down so many different avenues. We talk about all things relationship with food, ingredients, creating a business, following your dreams, what it takes to grow as an entrepreneur, and so much more. As a new podcaster, we all have to have our learning experiences, right? And something happened with my microphone when we were recording, and it ended up pulling the audio from my laptop instead of my microphone. And so you'll see in this episode, there's a little bit of a sound issue on my end, and I'm so sorry about that. Again, I am learning here. You know, I'm new to this. So just, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning. Today's guest is Monique from Coco Bar in a Jar. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode. She has created the most incredible brand product community, and she is someone that I really look up to um, in this space as a mom, as a business owner, as a macro tracker, and just as an overall incredible human being who understands she just gets it. Like when her and I talk, we just both are on the same page. We have the same mindset. We have the same attitude. We really believe the same things. Um, And so I just adore her. I'm so lucky to have her in my corner, in my community, in my town, as a friend, as a mentor, and as someone who understands just, she just gets it. And that's all I can say. So I am really excited for you guys to hear today's episode. So without further ado, let's talk about it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode of Let's Talk About It. I am super, super excited to introduce to you guys someone who is so special to me, um, Miss Monique from Coco Bar in a Jar. I'm sure many of you guys who have followed me, have either tried her brand or have heard me talk about it because it's fantastic. Let's just first do a little intro. Um, Who is Monique? What do we want to know about you? Hi. (laughs) Hello. I'm so happy you're here. Um, Well, first of all, I adore you so much. And I'm so thankful that you're here in my backyard (laughs) and then we get to connect like this. I know. um, Well, my name is Monique Lawton. I am a mom of two incredible men, growing men, I should say. They're young men, but they're they're getting big fast, which is a trip. And I am the owner and creator of Coco Bar in a Jar, uh, which is the healthy, good-for-you chocolate spread. It's, it's low sugar, it's dairy-free, it's gluten-free. Um, it's made with only whole foods, which I'm very particular about, and 50% organic ingredients. Um, and also I create recipes to um, support people's health goals and their fitness goals, making all the recipes macro-minded, but also focused on nutrient-dense ingredients um, and just optimizing the ingredients so that people can optimize their health. Um, I'm also the creator of a new course called The Mindful Macros Method, which I'm so excited about um, because it's going to take all of our knowledge of macros to another level by elevating our mindset. I love that. That is exciting. Um, Cannot wait to talk a little bit more about that course. I know that that's been a passion project for you. So very exciting. Let's get into some rapid fire questions. 
Um, so I'm just going to go through, I'm going to set a clock or a timer for about 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. And we are going to go through these questions as quickly as we can. And just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. And let's see how many we can get through. Okay. What's your favorite holiday? Ooh, honestly, 4th of July. Ooh, okay. Morning or night person? Oh, uh, definitely a morning person. What is your go-to lazy dinner? Oh my goodness. It's always gonna be a big giant side of vegetables with no matter what I make, but I'm such a creature of habit. Generally these days, I love my bean burritos. I love baking baked fries. And um, for a lot of the time, or a lot of the time I won't even have like um, a traditional protein source. Yeah. I'll have either uh, non-fat Greek yogurt as a side, or I'll do a uh, creamy with my toppings and things Ooh, like that. The creamy, we yeah. all love That's my protein. <laughs> so good. What is one of the hardest lessons you've learned that you are the most thankful for? Oh gosh, honestly, going through my personal journey with my own body and everything that I've learned about um, about myself, like learning to truly self-love yeah. and what that looks like. I love that. Are you reading anything right now? Oh, I'm always reading. Ooh, what are you reading? <laughs> I just finished The Gap and the Gain, okay. which was amazing, uh, by Dan Sullivan and uh, Benjamin Hardy. And I, prior to that, I read the 10X, uh, or 10X is better than 2X. Okay. Um, oh goodness, I have a bunch of books in my, my uh, queue, but those are the that. most recent books. I love that. Texting or talking? Oh, it depends. <laughs> it depends probably on the person, which sounds really bad, but it's true. <laughs> and it depends on how much time I have. That's true, yeah. that's true. What's your favorite carb? Oh gosh. I know, this one was for you. Yeah. For sure. Probably soft pretzels, which you know, (laughs) I love my soft pretzels. Mm -hmm. And I love potatoes. I love any like sweet potatoes, you know, French fries, fries, like potatoes. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, we went to two minutes because I forgot about our stopwatch, but here we are. (laughs) We're done. We got through quite a few. Yeah. That's just a fun little icebreaker. Super fun. Yeah. I love that. You know, learn a little bit more about you. So like I mentioned, the theme of today's podcast is really just learning about how you've created something great, um, how you took your own journey and kind of story and use that as a springboard to, you know, become an entrepreneur, create this brand and also, you know, change your life and kind of the way you see yourself and your body and your, your confidence and all those things. So like I said, transforming yourself from the inside out. So just to kind of start, let's go all the way back to your childhood. Um, what was that environment like for you? And what was your relationship with food, with body image? And what was that discussion like in your home? Um, in what ways did your childhood influence how things are now as an adult? Okay. Um, yeah, so much. Um, I, I loved food as a child, uh, particularly sweets. Um, I used to say that candy was a food group for me because it literally was. (laughs) Um, My sister and I would try and scrounge up as much change as possible from, you know, even my dad's car or whatever. And we'd walk across the street to the local pharmacy and we'd buy as much candy as we possibly could for a dollar, which was like two candy bars at the time. And like two mini boxes of like, you know, lemon heads or like red hots or something like that. I love lemon heads. Oh my gosh. I loved red hots, cinnamon candies, like so good. 
and I would eat it all in one sitting and that was kind of like my 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 highlight like I loved that it was it was um just something I enjoyed probably far too much at the time and my my mom really struggled with her weight um and so and there was a lot of focus around food uh growing up I come from a big Italian family and so it was there was a lot of focus on food and but there was also a lot of focus on appearance um so as a small child when I was younger when I was you know just obsessed with candy it was just more my thing or more um just kind of a kid thing I feel like Mm -hmm. at that point but I did start to notice how my mom you know was very um aware of her body and she was she did a lot of dieting did a lot of like the the um you know weight watchers and nutrisystem and things like that growing up and talking about her body so for me it was almost like I felt as though I was supposed to have a problem with my body or that it wasn't um it could always use need improvement Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I didn't even understand what being overweight was because I wasn't overweight at that time but I remember fighting with one of my friends like playfully like we would joke like I'm fatter no you're fat oh I'm you know like we would and it was so strange when I think about it now because it's like what a strange thing to argue about as a Mm. child you know what I mean like why were we even talking about those things but I think it's because it's what we were hearing in our homes and um it's almost as if we were supposed to think we were overweight or Mm. fat or that our bodies needed to be different and so as I got older um I I just felt like a very awkward teacher a teenager I should say so I became even more self-conscious about my body um, I put on quite a bit of weight in high school, probably about 35, 40 pounds, uh, between my junior and senior year. And I'll tell you a little story about that. So I remember, um, another thing that happened where I, I had stumbled upon, um, a box and it had some old things from, you know, a few years ago that we'd been packing up to get rid of. And I happened to, you know, go through it and I found there was a, a, a little prayer um, piece of paper that with some notes on it. And every year my parents would write out prayers that they wanted for their year. And this particular one stated um, that, you know, the prayer was that I would lose weight. And it was from two years prior to that. And at that point, two years prior, I was probably the thinnest that I, well, I don't wanna say the thinnest. I was a healthy weight. Mm. You know, I was 129 pounds, five, five and a half, like, you know, healthy weight. And at that point, I saw myself as being very fit and thin at that point. And now this is two years later, I'd put on all this weight. And all I could think was like, wow, like if I was overweight then, I must just be a real problem right now. You know what I mean? Like, my God, like Mm. what I've really, then all of a sudden my perception of myself and what was supposed to be you know, it wasn't even just, you know, about my body. It was about my self-worth. Yeah. Like not feeling as if I was worthy in this body. Mm. And I remember that really stuck with me. Mm. And then from there, I got into college. I actually was able to lose all the weight very naturally. Got really into taking care of myself. Um, and that was a great little journey for me. But then what kind of pulled me back into the drama was um, my, my fear of gaining the weight back. That's what started my binge restrict 
um, purge cycle okay. for like 10 years. So because I was just scared. I was scared that like all of that would come back, you know, and I didn't know how to have a balanced life or lifestyle. And this, mind you, this was 26 years ago. I'm 46. So mm -hmm. it's like, this was a long time ago. And a lot of the stuff that we get exposed to in social media these days and in tools and so, it just wasn't available. Yeah. And because of my upbringing, I didn't really feel like I had a support system to understand or relate to. I felt very alone, put it that way. I felt like I was very alone and I didn't know who and if I could turn to anybody. So let me just say this. I love my mom. She really did the best she did. And I have to say she grew up in a very critical uh, environment and way worse than I did. So I know that she was trying to protect me in the best way that she knew how, which was to try and like, oh, you don't want to have to deal with all the drama that I've dealt with with my body all my life. Ironically, it did affect me in a negative way, but I know that wasn't her intention. Yeah. But needless to say, all of these things kind of compounded and and they followed me into adulthood. And then um, it was just something I kind of dealt with for many, many years. And then I had my son and that's when I knew I needed to reel it all back in and get, get myself together and really take a look at myself and take responsibility for myself. Yeah. I thanks so much for sharing. Cause I know that this is personal and yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's tough to talk about these things, but I can't tell you how many clients that I have and have spoken with that have a similar situation. Mm -hmm. And even friends I grew up with in high school where parents would comment on, you know, oh my God, why are you still eating? Or wow, you guys, you know, weight comments, needing to yeah. be thinner, stop eating so much, your appetite's too big, la la la. And with clients I have now, I mean, I'm working with women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and they have these very, very strained, terrible relationships with food. And it stems back to their childhood and the emphasis on body image or food or dieting or whatever with their parents. And so my question to you is if someone's listening and they're a mom, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what age the kid is, but some age and, and they're listening and what would be a softer way to approach this kind of thing I feel like happens all the time where like you said you didn't think your mom had bad intentions mm -hmm. you wanted she wanted to protect you and kind of prevent you from going through what she went through so she kind of was you know making comments about wanting you to lose weight but at the end of the day like you said it was damaging and it was negative and it's not okay um and so what would you say to a parent if maybe they're listening and maybe they have a child who's overweight or a child who's having a really crazy binge situation or something like that. Do you have any tips or thoughts on like, what is a little bit gentler of a way that we could approach this so that we can obviously still care for our children and want the best for them, but not damage them along the way? Totally, totally. No, that's such a good question. I mean, I feel like anytime you're operating out of fear, you're nothing good is going to come from that. Yeah. So if you're going to approach a situation like that, I felt like my mom at the time was coming from a place of fear which in turn had a, you know, it, it had the opposite effect on me because I felt as if something was wrong and then that put me into a fear mm -hmm. state. So I think ultimately educating your children and talking to them and giving them the choice to make the choices themselves. Mm -hmm. um, for example, with my boys, you know, something that I always do, and I've done this not just with food, just with anything. I kind of talk to them. One is 
appear in the sense that I talk to them as if they understand me like an adult would talk, you know, understand me. And I give them the option. Like, for example, it's like, you can walk on that ledge, you know, and absolutely, and maybe it's a little higher than I'm, I'm comfortable with or whatever. But it's like, yeah, you can walk on that ledge. Just be careful. You could fall. You might, you probably won't fall. You'll be fine. Just, you know, you got this. But at the same time, just know you're taking that chance. And if you fall, we'll just have to deal with it. Kind of like yeah. giving them the opportunity to make the decision for themselves yeah. to go like, do I, because it's actually very empowering because mm -hmm. then they as little mini people are yeah. learning how to take responsibility for their lives and to also make choices that are informed yeah. and educated and thoughtful. Yeah. So when you have a child that's say struggling with food, not only do you need to educate them, but I also feel like they do, they do follow us. They do do what we do. And I think that if you're taking care of yourself and you're, you know, getting uh, exercise if you're eating well and you put a focus on the foods that are good for us and you know again like with my boys i tell them all the time i'm like i you guys can have your treats i have no problem with them having their, their ice cream sandwiches their treats you know whatever they want but let's start with the good stuff mm -hmm. like let's let's start off good because these are the things that are going to make you feel great and if you still want the treat, yeah, absolutely. Like I'll never tell them they can't have something because I know that will create even more over desire for it. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's just really important to, again, educate your kids, talk to them with respect yeah. so that they can fully take in what you're saying, give yeah. them the opportunity to know that they have the choice and talk to, talk to them about, you know, what the potential side effects could be of those choices but also reinforcing the great things about them, right, yeah. too. Like you always want to reinforce all the great things about them and tell yeah. them how amazing they are and how you love them no matter what and all that that yeah. stuff is so important too because they have to know it's not conditional. Yeah, yeah, I love how you said to really not approach, so many great things that you just said, but specifically like not approaching things in a fear-based way. I think parents don't even really realize that they're doing that. And even me sometimes when I, when I do things with my kids, I step back later or I discuss it with Ellery and I'm like, e, I probably shouldn't have gone about it that way, but I'm still learning and they're still young. So that's great. But I really, you know, love what you said too, about kind of giving them that choice to make a decision. And I recently listened to something that said, you know, allowing your kids to let them try dangerous things carefully. And yeah. that is my philosophy yeah. with my children as well. And I think instead of even, I, I tend to say, oh, be careful, be careful. And I also read something recently that said, instead of saying, be careful, say, what's your plan? Yeah. yeah what exactly. is your plan right now? Mm -hmm. Do you feel safe? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. And I just tried that the other day with Luca and she literally was like, no, I don't. And got down right away. So and I thought, wow, what a simple little shift in that one question that instead of me going, be careful, no, don't do that. Stop. Which can just feel so like, eh, eh, you know, yeah. naggy. And I think just that like flip around to ask her, like, wait a minute, do you have a plan? Do you feel safe right now? And she was like, no, I don't. And she got down and I was like, oh, well that worked. Yep. Um, so I really love that. Yeah. I think it's really challenging with the food thing. I tend to see, um, a lot of times, you know, parents just have that like good food versus bad food yes. conversation constantly. And even with, you know, with kids, my age, kids or your age, I have toddlers, you have, you know, young teens into old teens. Um, yeah, they're 11 and 15. 11 and 15. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, you know, this whole conversation around, it's just, it just bothers me because again, they think that they're doing them 
right. They think that they're doing something good by saying, don't eat this. It's bad for you. Don't eat this. It's, it could do this. And I, I understand to a degree that of course, what we eat affects everything. And, you know, there are a lot of research studies now showing like red dyes and the the bad effects on children, et cetera. But I just think that the way that people are approaching it is, is just doing more harm than good. And I wish people wouldn't be so black and white with the food labeling. And I know, you know, like you said in the beginning, the ingredients that you use in your products, which we'll get more into, you're really, you know, I don't know, firm about what you allow to be in there. And how did you kind of how did you develop this desire to live a balanced lifestyle and kind of allow you and your kids to kind of eat what they want within reason, but also still have that very important not fixation, but like it's important to you to have that focus of really clean, nice ingredients. Like how did you get there? Well, it definitely was a process because like I said, I didn't have a healthy you know, relationship with food for a long time. But I think what it boils down to is how foods make you feel. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about good and bad, for me, it's not about like what's good and what's bad. When I say like eat the good stuff, I'm talking about the stuff that makes you just feel like great, right? Like let's focus on the things that make you feel great, that give you energy. I mean, like my my 11-year-old, he's so cute when he... When he's eating, like, I'll make him a beautiful little meal. He has, he loves fish. I'll make him like some fish and like a baked potato and he's got his broccoli. And I see him do his little dance, you know, like his little like shimmy, like as he's eating. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's when you know that your food is just making you feel good. And you're like, ooh, I feel good, you know, and he's just happy and he's eating. And that's that's what I mean by good Mm -hmm. you know the bad is like it's not even about bad it's like well let's let's make this this equation reasonable and rational like for you and your health so you feel good because God knows if they start their day you know eating chocolate and candy and and all the the processed foods that are out there that are very sugar laden I should say it's a disaster waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. They need to start with the foundation and then sprinkle in, you know, the things that they, they like to have fun with and eat. Yeah. Um, so I think for them, it's just a matter of creating that balance for them. And as, like I said, as long as they understand the reasoning behind it, mm-hmm. it's actually very easy for them to make sensible choices. Yeah. Um, my oldest, he comes home and he'll eat. He'll just chop up two or three apples at a time. That's like the first thing he eats. I don't even have to ask him. It's just what he does. That's great. And he loves it. And he's very similar to me. I, I call him a pain in the ass. <laughs> I meant like when it comes to this food, he's this, but I embrace that. Like I like being a pain in the ass. And mm-hmm. well, let's not say pain in the ass. Let's say high maintenance <laughs> when it comes to the foods that I eat yeah. because I know what is right for me. He knows he enjoys apples. He they make him feel good, and he just he 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 goes for it. That's his thing. I love that. And I support that a, a million percent. And the same thing goes with what they eat. To be honest, this is probably not going to be something that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. But I tend to make everybody different meals and not all together, but this is so not reasonable for most moms, but I will say it's what's worked for me because truth is I could eat the same things every day and I'm not going to make them eat the same things every day. And because I don't eat a lot of meat, I really don't. I eat very little fish and egg whites is kind of like my animal protein sources. Um, so they don't eat that way and I'm not going to force them to, but uh, for example, they like different vegetables, but they love vegetables, but they like different vegetables. So I make both, you know, I give them the, each what they like because, 
again, I'm not going to force them to eat things they don't want to eat because that's going to give them, it's going to help them develop a bad relationship with the foods that they eat. So let me encourage you to eat well by making you what you enjoy that's healthy. And, you know, for example, like I said, my young one might want fish. My older son, you know, maybe he wants to have a turkey burger. And I'm like, big deal. I throw two different things in. It's like not that serious for me. And then I make myself what I like. Again, I know this isn't reasonable for a lot of people, but my point is, is you have to do what's right for you and your family and what makes sense, whatever that is. Like you have to have, you set your standards, you decide what makes sense and you go all in on it. Like you don't have to do things a certain way. You can do them any way you want. I'm a single mom. This is what I've done for me. You know, I'm, if I was married, maybe it would be different, but, um, I do have a boyfriend. We live together, but he eats like me. So it makes it easy. Um, but, uh, for, for the boys, I really want to encourage their healthy habits and and with their diet and their bodies and their relationship with food and so that they can feel good. It's really just about feeling good. I love that. I love making the focus about how you feel. Because that's really what it comes down to. I mean, even when I'm working with my clients, it's like, okay, you know, your weight down, your measurements are down, but how do you feel, you know, and that's the transformation that I'm, you know, most focused on and most proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So switching gears a little bit, talk to me about all things cocoa bar in a jar. When did you start it? How did you start it and why? Okay. So again, like I said, single mom. Um, so I started it in 2017. I'd been a divorced a couple years. Um, but I started essentially because I was a new single mom. Uh, I got divorced very suddenly and it wasn't planned. I wasn't prepared for it. So with that, I knew I needed to do something to bring in an income, but I also knew I wasn't willing to leave my kids at home or to put them in the care of a daycare. I wanted to be with them. That was my plan. It was my plan all along and I didn't want to change my plan and I'm stubborn. So I was like, well, I've owned a business before. Um, I owned a clothing boutique for seven years with my sister. I love being self-employed. It's my, my love. Mm -hmm. And so I, was trying to figure out what I could do. And this was something, I had been creating Cocoa Bar prior to my um, my split with my, uh, my ex-husband for like eight years. And I would give it to all my mommy friends. I would like go to mommy groups and I'd bring it. But the thing was, is I'd always give it to them chilled as chocolate bark. So I'd make it, chill it, break it into chocolate bark and then put it on ice and then give it to them and tell them, oh, you gotta put this in your fridge. And then they'd eat it and they'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh my God, you need to sell it. And at the time I was just like, well, no, because first of all, it melts. Like, I don't even want to deal with like, it's not shelf stable. Um, I don't want to deal with that. It's going to be a nightmare to try and keep it cold and, and hardened like that. And then two, I was raising my kids. They were younger and I, I had a baby. It just felt like it wasn't my focus at the time. Um, so... Then with the divorce, it was like, oh my gosh, how can I leverage this into a a proper business? Because I love it. I love everything about it. Everyone I know loves it. Um, And I remember just having these sleepless nights where I was racking my brain trying to figure out what am I going to do? Am I going to, should I go into real estate? I mean, I was like thinking of anything and everything that I could stay with my kids, but I would always come back to my cocoa bar. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I had an aha moment in the middle of the night one night where I woke up and I was like, oh. I'll sell it as a spread. And it just kind of clicked. And then from there, it was like go mode. Like it was like, okay, I'll just figure this out. And I got a part-time job doing costume design for um, 
I, uh, a girl that I went to college with, she did the theater program at, ne at Notre Dame High School. So she hired me. I started doing all their, their costuming for their shows and their plays, which I love. So I was able to bring in a little bit of income part-time. And uh, with that money, I just plugged it away at the business until I launched in 2017. That is so... And did you already have the name for it when you were creating it? Or how did you come up with Cocoa Bar in a Jar? I think once I decided, I don't remember exactly when I came up with it, but I do remember it was after okay. I decided to um, sell it as a product. And I, yeah, I just remember it came to me at one point. That. Yeah. So for someone who wants to be an entrepreneur or to create a product, I think in, you know, we're almost in 2024. It's mm -hmm. so common for people to, to, to take this route, to mm -hmm. want to have that flexible schedule, to want to be able to be their own boss. I know I sure as hell <laughs> do not do well with a boss. And that is why I created, you know, my, my company and brand. And so it's obviously there's a lot of, you know, hard parts of it um, and hard sides to it. But I think it's, it's definitely very appealing to a lot of people. So if there's someone who wants to become an entrepreneur or to create a product, whether it's a food product or not, what advice do you have for them? Like, what are some things that you would have liked someone to tell you back when you were starting or launching in 2017? Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. It's, it can be so alluring to want to be an entrepreneur, but it can also be so scary mm. and off-putting. But the one thing that I think that a lot of people don't quite grasp when they decide to be an entrepreneur is that it's not just it's not just going to take off right away whatever you do it's 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 going to take compounded efforts over periods of time mm. and all of that compounded effort will create success mm. and you're going to have many successes along the way you're going to have you know a launch success and then you're going to have you know your first thousand customer success and then you're going to have that six figure success like everything is kind of a layer so you have to think more in the short-term goals versus the long-term goals um, when you're especially when you're first getting started mm -hmm. so that you don't overwhelm yourself and think that it's impossible for you because anything is you can absolutely build a business anyone can the difference is, is most people who are successful are just the people that didn't give up mm -hmm. so you have to be really real about the fact that look it's gonna take some time it's gonna take some time and it's also gonna take you know you being adaptable and going with the flow and trying to not fit a square peg in a round hole all the time if something doesn't work it doesn't work you keep it moving mm -hmm. not take it personal and the one thing I wish I had understood that I'm just now, this past year I started to implement, is that you can't do it alone. And you're the one who really inspired me there because you had an amazing team that you, you know, you love. And, and that was something I was playing with, but I was also really scared as a solopreneur because that's essentially what I was. I ha it was me and then my manufacturer. But as far as anything else, outsourcing anything, getting help just felt very scary. And I felt like it was like I wasn't working hard enough mm -hmm. subconsciously, you know? Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing I could say to anybody, it's get help. Get people who are better at doing things than you to do them for you. Yep. And just surrender to a team. And I have the most amazing team now. I love these women that I'm working with. And we're growing and I'm just so excited. And it just actually 
before I felt like it was a limiting belief and now it's more of a growth belief that I have where it's like, no, 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 the more the merrier. Like, mm-hmm. let's do this and let's let's lift some other people up. Let's let you shine. Let's see what you can do. Like, I know you're better than me yeah. at, at, at doing marketing and I know you're better at me at sourcing. And it's like, yes, let's show me your gifts. Like, yeah. I want to do that. I want to allow you to shine because that's exactly what it takes in order to build and grow and and fully succeed long term. Yeah. Wow. That was the best answer to that question. I have to say, I just feel like that was so encouraging. And I love how you mentioned kind of focusing on those little wins along the way, because that is definitely the issue. I think a lot of people have is this scary, just overwhelming feeling that you you have this huge goal and, oh my God, I'm so far from that goal. And the truth is in the beginning, you are so far from that goal. So let's stop, break that. Don't get rid of that large goal that you have or that 10 year plan, but let's break it down into chunks. And like you said, focus on these little tiny wins along the way, because small wins add up to a big, like you said, success or win, you know, as you go and as you grow. And so I think that was so encouraging. And also, yeah, delegating is is a huge thing that, you know, I mean, I'm only two years into my business and I, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't have a really incredible VA, a virtual assistant who helps me with everything on the back end. And the truth is, is like you said, I don't have a passion for doing Excel work and, you know, credit cards and dealing with clients if, you know, something happens with their payment and all that type of stuff. I'm not saying I can't do it. I did, but I don't enjoy it. And it takes me a lot of fucking time because I suck at it. And so for me to have to put together an Excel spreadsheet that takes me literally five hours, it could take my VA one hour and it's exceptionally better and that time that that you know I was spending doing that, I can now focus on my coaching or more importantly, focus on spending that time with my kids because I have young toddlers. So yes, I care so much about my business and growing it, but like first and foremost, I'm a mom. And so all the extra time that I have outsourcing now, all this shit I don't like to do is more time I get to do things I do want to do, which is, you know, be a good mom and, and spend time with my kids. So Totally agree with you that, you know, maybe at the very beginning of starting a brand or, you know, launching a product, you might not necessarily have the capacity or the the money or whatever to outsource right away. But I think being open to that idea is really key because I feel the same way. You felt the same way. Ellery, who's, you know, just started his own law firm. People have issues with trusting others, Mm -hmm. right? How could someone else do this job better than me? This is my brand. I don't want to have anyone ruin it. You know, those types of thoughts are all really valid. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's kind of a scarcity mindset or like a fear-based idea. Whereas when you allow others to come in and shine, like you said, the way you worded it was just fantastic. Um, It really allows for that expansion and for that growth and for the potential to just be like limitless. And yeah, I think it's a really good tip to just understand that you need to be open to delegating things to other people. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you're serving, right? You're serving your customer, mm-hmm. your your clients. And in order to do that the best and most efficiently, effectively, you need people to do that with mm-hmm. who can help support them. So it's not about us, right? Yeah. It's always going to be about who we're serving. And the best way to do that is to get people who are exceptional yeah. at doing skill, who have skill sets and have... Um, the means to serve them even better than yeah. you can alone. Totally. I love it. Um, what has been your proudest moment with your company, Coco Bar? What has been your biggest challenge? 
Um, I think my proudest moment was, well, it was, it's kind of an ongoing thing. Cause I think having my boys watch their mom who didn't have a job, <laughs> create a job for herself, um, and, and grow a business has been such a blessing mm. and so powerful for them to see and they get to see my again we talk about mini wins they see my little mini wins along the way and there's been so many that I'm incredibly like thankful for but I think significantly the one moment that was like so big for me was in my first year of sales um, it was really about just kind of getting my name out there connecting with um, like-minded women and and building the brand and I didn't make very much money, but I was able to kind of like just get started. And when we talk about consistency and compounded efforts, it was that second year that I, you know, hit six figures and I went, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can do this. This is something that I can build on and grow and keep going with and have trust and faith in. And, or I should say, it gave me the trust and faith mm -hmm. in myself to keep going. Yeah. And that was really powerful for me because I was able to walk away from my part-time job. And as a single parent, it was scary. <laughs> like it was very scary to fully surrender. Okay, I'm gonna walk away from that little bit of security and just go all in on this dream of mine and focus wholly on it. Mm. And that was incredibly empowering for me because I wasn't leaning on anybody. I had to kind of take that full responsibility. And it was super scary, but it was, it, it's my proudest moment Yeah, because I was able to do it alone. I was really, I was able to do it alone. Yeah. And That's I was, I, it felt, it felt really good. Yeah. And even, I mean, in year two, that you know, for yeah. creating a product, I think that's really incredible because it takes a long time to get the word out there and, and no people to actually try the product and then tell their friend and then have their friend. It's a, yeah. it's a hard thing. I think product more than even, you know, a coaching, you know, brand or something like that, where it's, yeah, having someone buy a product is, is tough. So that's a really, really, what about the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge probably has been, well, me getting out of my own way. Like I said, mm -hmm. me getting out of my own way and not, and feeling like I could trust other people to help build this business and to grow. Um, but scaling is always, always something that I'm kind of grappling with. And, and that's again, getting the right team, you know, built and building up so we can go even bigger. I have so many things that I want to do in the new year. And I don't want to say it's the biggest challenge, but it, it pushes me the most. And it's probably the most exciting thing as well. Mm. I feel like I've been incredibly blessed. Um, and I, I think that Cocoa Bar is grown in in incredible ways and very organically which I'm really proud of it wasn't through paid ads it wasn't through false advertising or false relationships with people it's like it was very authentic mm. um, but now I'm ready to just kind of go even bigger and uh, get it out there even more and do even more fun stuff and create more of a community for the product and um, just take it to another level but th that is just more of a, a personal Thing. It's not necessarily like I had a major knock on wood, you know, setback. Oh, I will share one little story though. Okay. Okay. So in 2020, this was something that was a bummer, but was amazing, but a bummer. I, I was accepted to be on Shark Tank. So I was, I had submitted, it was during COVID. They accepted my application. They were super excited about me. 
we get to the interview process where they ask me if I have any family members that work for the studios. And um, I shared that my stepdad, um, he works for a company because God forbid I was honest, you know what I mean? Everyone's like, why'd you even tell him? It sounds really bad because it wasn't even that he worked for Disney. It was that he worked for a company that was contracted by Disney as an, for IT. So he would go into the Disney buildings and he does IT work, right? Um, so when they asked me that, I said, oh yeah, he works for this company, but you know, he's not, he doesn't really work for Disney technically. He, they just hire him out. It, but I want, you know, I was honest. I just wanted to be honest about it. And they said, oh, it shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't be a problem. Go through all the steps, get to the very end. And they tell me, oh my gosh, the producers, they, it's like the producers finally find out. It's like, we're, we're I mean, I designed my set. I was like so excited. It was like going to happen. And they tell me that they couldn't accept me because of um, the fact that my, they just couldn't go ahead there, there, you know, go, um, they couldn't bypass their contractual you know, agreements or their, uh, their oh. standards, you know, it's like that was contractually speaking. They couldn't accept anybody who had any family that worked for any of the networks and they didn't want to make any sort of exceptions. Um, even if it didn't technically apply, but which I totally understood. Um, but they also said, but when, or if he doesn't work for them anymore, let us know and we'll have you back. So I was like, okay, but that hasn't happened and he still works there. So I haven't had the opportunity to do that. But that was a bummer, but also it was also a good wake-up call for me because I, I had to think about it. And I was like, you know, the truth is, I don't know if I was ready for that. Like mm -hmm. now when I think about it, I'm like, you know what? It's probably good because this really forced me to step up again into my higher self, do bigger things on my own, and get to that point where that'll happen later. You know, and other things have happened. Getting into Walmart, like doing other things that have been like great that I did without the help of an investor. Mm -hmm. So... I'm proud of that and we'll see what happens down the road, but. Yeah, I think you need to tell him to, to quit his job. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding. But that's such yeah. a cool, I mean, even opportunity to be considered. And, you know, yeah. I am a firm believer that everything happens yes. for a reason. And, um, you know, that opportunity might present itself again down the road and um, just keep doing what you're doing. And yeah, I think obviously if it didn't work out, there was a reason for Absolutely. that. So I love Absolutely. that that's your kind of attitude about it as much as it, you know, probably sucked in the, yeah. and was so disappointing and just kind of like you were so close, but like totally. you had like a little taste and oh, you're done, um, which, you know, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But what is, something and I I've been wanting to ask you this yeah. we've kind of talked about it a little but what is something that you see in either the food space or just in the product industry that drives you nuts honestly I think it's when I mean you know you know where my head's at with this I'm I'm not sounds so bad the truth is I'm just not a big fan of things masking themselves as healthy when they're, I mean, I know that healthy is subjective. Like, let's be real. Healthy is totally subjective. What's healthy for one person isn't going to be healthy for another person. But there is, I feel like, a baseline standard of healthy. And for me, that's anything that's man-made in a lab that has negative side effects on your body is probably not good for you, mm -hmm. right? And when something labels itself healthy and has a lot of healthy components within it, but then still includes those other things, kind of like, yeah, but it's like 80% healthy. It just, I, I can't really wrap my brain around it. I can't really go there. I feel like you either, 
you just own what you're at, you know, what you are and, and what your product is. You don't have to label, label your product as healthy if it's got some things in there that are questionable. I think it's pretty safe to say that anybody, any, any doctor is going to say, yeah, red dye number <laughs> whatever is not good for you. It's yeah. generally, you know, it's, it's illegal in other countries and banned in other countries. And it's, it's here in the U.S., but that says a lot. I, I wouldn't put any anything in any of my spreads that would include any of those kinds of ingredients. Um, and not just because that's my standard, it's because that's my standard for those that I serve. Mm. It's like, I'm not gonna put anything in my spreads that could potentially have a negative impact on their bodies in a, in a long-term effect. So, so I totally agree with you. And I can see where that would be frustrating as a person who creates an actual healthy spread. So what do you think is the reason that these companies are putting those ingredients in? Do you think one, it's for the way that it tastes and like shelf life? Do you think two, they are uneducated about how dangerous these things really are? So they have them in there just because, and they don't know that they could make them without, like, what do you think? Why are they doing this? If like, it's pretty common knowledge, like these things are terrible. I think because it makes them highly marketable and I think because they're cheap. Got it. That's what I think. Because any of the ingredients I use are so expensive. Okay. And I say that with pride. <laughs> like they are high end, really, and I know what these things cost. And, you know, generic sprinkles are inexpensive. They are. When I buy the, for example, I don't generally use anything like that, but when I did decide to do a little bit more of a fun spread and and you know I collabed with Danielle uh, oh snap macros yeah hey Danielle <laughs> <laughs> and then and it was so fun and we decided to make it a birthday uh, spread and we put the sprinkles in there but I used you know all natural sprinkles made with all natural ingredients no uh, artificial dyes things like that because it it's the standard of the company to not use anything like that. And what was the markup on like comparing a, you know, generic basic sprinkle to the cost of the sprinkle you chose? What what's the mark how much more expensive? Oh, it's it? a, it's at least double if not triple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, that makes a lot of sense then as to why some companies are kind of taking that shortcut and using those ingredients that, you know, just Well, and I also think because as a consumer, we want to eat healthy but we also don't want to give up the things that we love. So when we have something that has a bunch of healthy ingredients and then you throw in a bunch of like things that maybe aren't considered quote healthy, um, it makes it more um, like tangible to their brains. Like, ooh, I can eat that though. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, you know, I don't like eating everything healthy, but this is healthy, right? You know, and it still has my things in there that I enjoy. So from a marketing standpoint, I see how people who maybe want to transition to a healthier lifestyle, it's easier for them to kind of make that crossover when there's some fun foods like that or fun, um, fun things that are labeled as healthy as an option. That makes sense. So I know that you're a big fan of macro tracking. We both have, you know, been tracking for many years. Can you explain a little bit more about your specific journey with macros? When did you start and what does that look like in your life currently? Are you tracking? Are you loosely tracking? What, what is, how does it play a role in your life? Um, I started tracking um, on my own back in like 2016. That's when I started to learn about it. And then uh, I created my own macros and was trying to figure it out and mostly counting calories, I guess, and then figuring out, you know, playing with all the different numbers. And, you know, 
I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like <laughs> what you do when you're experimenting with macros. Yeah. And then when 2018 rolled, I think it was 2017, like right around the end of 2017, 2018, that's when I started working with my first coach. And I worked with her for a couple of years and then I worked with another coach for another three years. So from 2017 to... 2000 yeah like 21 yeah i think it's 220 or 2021 2022 that's when i stopped working with the coach okay. um but that was so beneficial for me because i it was the first time that i'd kind of like surrendered to macros in terms of like figuring out like a balance for myself nutritionally and it was really, it was great for me. It was really great for me to kind of trust a process to put my faith in somebody else and kind of say like, hey, like I really want someone to guide me. And um, and I think as long as you're compliant, it's super effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it taught me a lot about myself, which was really, uh, really great about my health and my nutrition and my body. It taught me what, uh, how I felt best as far in terms of like what foods I felt best eating, mm-hmm. how much of certain things. And... Once I was done with that, I, I, I had a better understanding of my body, right? And then I could customize my own kind of tracking as far as protein levels, things like that. Mm-hmm. Because I know, I mean, you can tell me, I, I might be wrong, but I feel like when it comes to uh, clients, it's like, isn't it a testing to some degree? Like kind of figuring out what works for certain people, totally. like certain amounts. So yeah, so it's like I worked with some people and it was like my protein was super duper high. And then I worked with my next next coach and she was much more flexible with me because I had transitioned to more plant-based lifestyle eating. Like I said, I eat protein. I don't label myself as anything like mm-hmm. ever because I'll eat what I want when I want. But at the end of the day, how I feel my best, when we talk about like feeling our best, I just, I'd prefer not to eat a lot of animal uh, uh, meat. So I do eat some fish when I feel like it and I do eat egg whites, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I told her that, I said, can we like play with the macros? Like, can we up the carbs? Because too many um, high protein vegetable options or vegetarian options are higher in carbs Mm. they're not all protein Mm -hmm. there's kind of like you know portion so we played with that and then from there i realized oh yeah i do really good on high carb Mm -hmm. i do really good on high carb i don't need super high protein you know or super high fat or super high fat yeah you thrive in a high carb yes and i think that's just such a wonderful thing for people to hear because at the end of the day Yes. If you have a specific goal, whether it's if you have a fat loss goal, you need to be eating in a calorie deficit. If you have a goal of building muscle, you have to be either at minimum maintenance or a surplus, ideally. And so those are basic facts. Okay. But in terms of the splits, right, protein, carbs, fats, the percentages, it really is a customization. And that's where it comes down to, yes, there are calculators and they can help you and they can help you determine kind of the bare minimum. But you know, macro coaches like myself and many others who have this experience, you really need to understand each individual client, their needs and, and their desires yeah. and how, like you said, what we, this whole theme of this podcast is how you feel and you, I, and I've seen you, I see your diet, I see your meals every day and you thrive on a really high carb diet yeah. and like a moderate, I'm not going to say low protein or fat, but I would say like moderate to low and protein and fat and high carb. Mm -hmm. And I have a ton of clients who are literally the opposite. Like Mm -hmm. they're not great with carbs and not even meaning bloated or the way they look, but the way they feel and they feel really good. I'm kind of a, kind of a straight across the board. I do really well with like 
moderate protein, moderate carb, moderate fat. Like I'm not low or high on any of the spectrums. I think I'm just very much kind of like an even across the board. Um, and I think some days I'm a little higher on one and some days I'm a little higher on another. I think that kind of just comes with what I'm craving and what I'm in the mood for. But I just love that you used the macro coach, you know, to learn as much as you could during that time period. And you really leaned into this is what makes me feel best. And now you've just kind of continued on that path and kind of shut like shut out the noise of you need to eat this way or that way. And you just kind of use macros as a tool still, mm-hmm. I'm assuming, yeah. as a guideline. Um, you can tell me how much you're tracking if you're still using my fitness pal every day, whatever. But you've used it and customized it to fit you and what makes you feel well and fuel you so that you can be running this business and, you know, be a mom to two boys and I just love that because I think people are so focused on these like rules and these, yeah. well, oh, I have to eat. It's like, well, what works for me sure as hell is not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And people need to just understand that, I think, a little bit more. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Like that's like my biggest thing with um, everything that I'm doing right now too is, and that's something I always promote is do what's right for you and your body and get to know your body. Mm-hmm. Your body, you have all the answers in terms of how you're going to feel your best. We know when we feel like crap when we eat certain things. Like we know. Yeah. And you're right. It's like it's about it's it's a matter of just figuring out what works best for you and that's exactly how I I look at it for me. I I do. I I thrive on high carb and yeah. and 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 you know lower fat. Like I do. I feel great. I don't have cravings. Like this is what works for me. Um, protein wise, I'm like probably around like a hundred. Sometimes I'm at seventy five. Like it just depends on the day, especially on the weekends. If I'm like out doing stuff, I don't eat as much protein. But like hundred grams is like actually really good for me. Mm-hmm. Hundred grams works for me. Sometimes I go over a little bit, but I don't track diligently. I mostly track for. Um, reference Mm -hmm. just to kind of for for data just to understand where I'm at and uh, what is working for me I also think it's really important um, for example I'm going to get my blood work done uh, this week I go every year for a physical I highly recommend that people go and get a physical every year because they need to know blood work is a great way to track how you're doing internally based off the diet that you have. Mm. So I've seen over the course of the years with my diet, when I eat certain things, when I eliminate certain things, I see the difference in my blood work. I Mm. see my cholesterol levels. I see my A1C, I see, which is your blood sugar. I see all these things and it's a great way to know if you're on the right track. Mm. So it's actually a lot of fun. I look at it as, so when, even when the tracking with, with macros, it's just data. For me at this point, it's just data. I really don't, I don't um, adhere to any strict macro counting. It's, it, for me, it was more information as well to be able to better serve. I, I, I was just going to say that. I mean, you're, you're also a recipe creator, yes. you know? So I yeah. think for you, it's, it, and these are not only just recipes, but they're macro-minded recipes, yes. right? And so for you at this point, I think, like you said, I love that you said it's all just data because I feel the exact same way. I mean, I'm not tracking right now at all, but the same thing with me. It's all numbers weighing myself, like, you know, taking photos during different journeys of whether I'm going to cut or whatever maintenance. I just love to have lots of data Mm -hmm. so that I can say, well, this is what I looked like then. And this is how the number, it just, you know, being able to, to have the knowledge and to be able to, I'm tracking my periods really closely right now. I'm tracking my weight every day. I weigh myself so that I can see, Oh, I'm ovulating scales up three pounds. I do too. Every single month. It's the same thing. And People 
just don't have enough information about themselves, about their body, about the, I love that you said to go get blood work. I'm actually calling my doctor on the way home because I'm due (laughs) for my physical and I just turned 30 and I, you know, I have breast cancer that runs in my family, Mm -hmm. cancer that runs in my family. I want to get some testing done, you know, so knowledge is power. And I think people need to be more um, like they need to be advocating for themselves more and they need to, to do the things, to do the testing and to track macros for a short period of time. I tell everyone, I wish that it was a requirement in life mm-hmm. for people to track for eight weeks, yeah. track for eight weeks. And I'm not, I, 70% of people wouldn't track past that eight weeks, right? Yeah. It's yeah. too much and it's yeah. time consuming and it's kind of annoying, yeah. but the knowledge and the information that you can get in those eight weeks about serving sizes, about portions, about the way that food is made up and what is, what is it? What's in this meal that I'm eating and how much protein do I need to build muscle and how many carbs make me feel good versus not. And I just think people see it as this diet and this really annoying, tedious, time consuming thing mm-hmm. that is really just the, the, the information that you can get from it, in my opinion, is just, it's worth all the time you have to put in. Absolutely. Well, cause then you're really learning about you. Yeah. You're not you know, so many of us are looking on the outside at other people. It's like, oh, tell me about your diet. How, what do you eat? What does your day like? Day look like? What's your workout look like? And sure, that can be inspiring, but it also can be really inhibiting mm. in the sense because you're comparing yourself and you're not getting to know yourself. You're mm. you have the the means to know what's best for your body, and when you start to really trust that, go all in on that get to know yourself, track your macro, like do all those things, you know, get your blood work done, figure out like what is best for you. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's, that's it. Like it's, you're all in on yourself. Like I really do encourage people to have very high standards when it comes to themselves and their lifestyle, what they eat, how they treat themselves and, um, not base it off anyone else or anything else. Yeah. That's so powerful to think of. It's so crazy to me how much time people spend focusing on, like you said, what are you doing? What's your workout? Oh, it's just like, who fucking cares? (laughs) Like who cares? Spend that time and put that energy into learning about what makes you feel good and what makes you feel your best and how all those things that you just mentioned, it's so simple, but I think, and you and I have had this conversation so many times, I think it comes down to that, like, people aren't confident enough in themselves and in their ability and their self-worth and their, their inner dialogue is like, well, I can't ever be thin or I can't ever do this, or I can't wake up early to work out. And it's just this like negative, negative, negative. And when you say something enough, even if it's in your head, you begin to believe it to be true. And so to have to then change those, those thoughts and the the way that the narrative is so, so hard. It's so incredibly hard. I mean, it takes people years in therapy and or just working on it themselves. And so I know that's something that you're, you know, really passionate about too. So so yeah, before we wrap up, tell me a little bit about, I was going to say your course, but what is on your goal list for 2024? What are you working on right now? Either whether it be the course, cocoa bar in a jar, like what are some things you're looking forward to right now and or for this next year coming? Well, as far as Cocoa Bar goes, um, the goal is always to just kind of bring new fun spreads to the forefront. Um, Also, obviously, recipes every week. I'm still going to be doing that. And I'm looking into developing an app, a recipe app, and also a potential membership for people to just kind of go all in again on creating 
their personalized health goals. Mm. Um, so that I'm really excited about. And then in the summer, you and I are going to collab and we're going to do a Lexus original. Hoping, yeah, I was hoping you'd mention that. Oh my God. It's like my, it's like my dream come true. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Oh and we're going to play and have fun. And again, only the best is going in it. Whatever it is, it's yeah. going to be the best. the best. Yeah. And we'll walk through the whole process. We'll maybe do a poll and we can let like yeah. our, our communities help decide which uh, flavor we end up going Absolutely. with. We can walk them through like how we taste test things and just document everything and make yeah. it into like a series and kind of show fun. the behind the scenes yeah. because you've released tons of flavors you just started doing collabs you just did that first one with danielle but you've had numerous flavors come out and i think you know i like to see the behind the scenes i like mm-hmm. to see like what goes into like you deciding which sprinkles to use and like how much pumpkin flavor you put like that <laughs> shit like the fun weird random yeah. things yeah. so i think it will be really cool to share that huge 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 goal for me that i'm really excited about doing with you so no it's gonna be so fun yes that's so great. fun um i know i can't wait we're gonna we'll, we'll play, yeah, we're gonna play <laughs> for sure. and then um as far as otherwise um like i said i've got the new course that i'm launching in january nice. which is the mindful macros method and it's like i said it's it's really for women who, like we've talked about, we're talking about the narratives, right? These narratives that we have that perpetually hold us back from just living effortlessly into our healthy fit bodies. Mm. And it's for me, it's been the missing link. Um, like I said, I had all the tools. I knew all the things. I mean, I did all the things for years. Holistic doctors, Reiki, acupuncture. I mean, I did so many things. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously working out, eating well. And I was always looking on the outside for the answers of what was going on the inside. Mm. And then I did the inner work and now all that outer work, it's like a merit, you know, match made in heaven. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it just all goes together. Mm. And I'm really excited because I know, like you said, there's so many women, especially in my age group who have dealt with the same kinds of disordered eating pasts and negative self-talk. And it just, it, perpetually hold us back, holds us back these old stories these mm-hmm. old narratives and we self-sabotage i i don't know how many women especially like myself included we'd self-sabotage for years essentially because we expect that of ourselves mm-hmm. and it when we expect that of ourselves we constantly will make it true mm-hmm. if we constantly think we're going to worry about our weight or that we have to worry about our weight, we will worry about our weight. Mm -hmm. If we think that weight will always be a problem for us, it will be a problem for us. And if you think that there's, you know, something wrong with you and that you're different from everybody else, you will make yourself different from everybody else Mm -hmm. as far as your weight struggle. And for what what we're going to do is we're just going to clear the cash. We're just going to get clean. We're going to start fresh. We're going to start to develop the mindset that you need to reinforce the skill set you already have. Mm. So that's, you already, you've been given, like you, you work with these amazing women, they have the skills. And then the next little cherry on top is like, let's just tweak your brain a little bit. Let's tweak the brain. Let's get real clean. And let's take radical responsibility for Mm. our lives and our bodies and just trust. Oh my God. I'm like, go all in. I'm so excited for you. That just like made me so like inspired and excited and revved up. Like that is going to be freaking incredible. And I cannot wait to hopefully have so many of my clients 
join that. And wow, it's going to be amazing. I'm so proud of you. you. Um, Oh gosh, this was such a good episode. Okay. So what is the one thing you want the listeners to come away with today from our conversation? Oh my goodness, that you can do anything and be anything that you want. And I know that might sound cliche, but whatever it is that you doubt yourself about, you have it within you to mm-hmm. just to truly overcome that and and to make that leap. And sometimes you're going to have to borrow the trust and borrow the faith from other people. For example, people like you and me who are going to tell you you can do it, mm-hmm. but it's because we know on the other side of that work and that and that trust and that faith and that that commitment, it is there and you you might have to borrow the belief. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. You're going to have to borrow the belief in the beginning, but borrow our belief all you possibly can. Mm-hmm. And you will find that freedom in whatever it is that you you are looking for, whether that's body freedom, food freedom, you know, um, you have personal goals, you want to build a business. It's it's there. It's absolutely there. You just you can't give up. I love that. I love it. I love you so much. I love you Thank so you much. Thank you for coming on. Okay, so where can everybody find you if they are not, you know, buyers of Cocoa Bar in a Jar? If they don't know about you, where can they find you? Where can they buy your products? Okay, so you can always DM me um, or connect with me on Instagram at Cocoa Bar in a Jar. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Monique Y Lawton. So it's M-O-N-I-Q-U-E-Y, my middle initial, and then Lawton, L-A-W-T-O-N. And that is where I'm talking about the Mindful Macros method a little bit more in depth. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll give you an email or um, a mailing list. Ooh. And then we can like put that in the show notes, maybe. Yes. If people want to get on the newsletter for Absolutely. the Mindful Macros any Method. Any links, websites, yeah. anything going on, the launch of your new uh, program, course, anything. So we'll okay, include great. all of that in the in the show notes. Okay, awesome. Awesome. It was so fun. Have a amazing. wonderful day, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.